Welcome to the Open Door Policy. Each week on this podcast, we sit down with a different guest and talk about a letter. Archbishop Vigneron's Unleash the Gospel Pastoral Letter. Let's do it. Let's talk about it. All right. Be about it. Each guest we have on this show we think is living it out in a new and exciting way. Before we get started, if you like what you hear and you want to help us be part of this movement to unleash the gospel, be sure to subscribe and share our podcast with your family and friends. And while you're at it, leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. So blessed to be joined by Nicole Joyce today in our Open Door Policy Studio. Nicole is a wife and a mother. She works in mission in the church, and she belongs to St. Vincent Ferrer Parish. Danielle Center, how are you? Living the dream. How you been today? A okay. Tell me what living the dream means living with the Lord. Well, today I've had a lot of graces. I'm kind of in a little bit of intense spot in my life, really trying to lean into God's God's love and provision here. And it's been really cool. I, I talked to a few friends today who were just really supportive. And we talked about that last podcast too, just like the community of believers and how they sustain you. So Speaking of the community of believers... Nicole Joyce with us. Nicole, how are you? I'm good. How are you? All right. Are you ready to jump into rapid fire questions? Let's do it. Here we go. All right. Number one, Nicole, what is your most used emoji? Probably laughing till you cry. What would your walk-up music be? Something Motown, maybe Jackson 5. Yeah. (laughs) What is your favorite piece of religious art? I'd have to say Mary Comforting Eve. Yes. What do you think is overrated? Rompers. <laughs> what literary character would you want to be your friend? Can I pick two? Yes. Okay. Um, old school, Joe March from Little Women. Oh, uh, girl, yes. Contemporary, Eleanor Oliphant. Okay. What is your favorite hymn? I want to say I Am For You. Good. Mm-hmm. What season would you be, Nicole? Fall. And what is the best piece of advice you have ever been given? My aunt told me once to stop worrying about your job. Your job just pays the bills and let God be your provider. Nicole, what is your favorite Bible story? Probably on the road to Emmaus. And what non-traditional pet would you have? Maybe like a tiger or a lion because they're basically just giant cats. Ooh, (laughs) good. Awesome. Thanks. So, Nicole, uh, Mary Comforting Eve. I don't think I know. I I think I've seen it. It's like a drawing one, right? Yeah. Mary and Eve, a contemporary religious artwork by Sister Grace Remington. And in it, like the snake is going up Eve's leg, but Mary is crushing its head. Mm-hmm. Ah. Super intense. And Eve has her hand on Mary's womb. It's, okay. It's, it's beautiful. Okay. I think yeah. I know this one then. It, the title of it didn't click for me. Okay. I don't know that it has a title because it's kind of more recent. Yeah. But Joe March. Yeah. Yeah. That's Love an intense her. story. Have you ever seen Little Women? I have not. Oh, well. Louisa May Alcott, right? She is. Like, like mm-hmm. I've heard of it, but I don't know it. What about Joe March makes you think this girl knows what's up? I think just her um, really overwhelming inability to be proper when she's like on fire, when she has something that she really believes in, she can't not say it. And uh, I really, I, I think I kind of attached to that in high school when I first read the book, actually. And I want a good school. 
One that would be open to anyone who wanted to learn. Do you relate to, to Joe? Do you see a lot of yourself in her? Or is it like someone you aspire to be? Oh, maybe. Or just someone kind of cool that you're yeah, maybe like, a I want to know both. someone I like I think that. I relate to her awkwardness. Okay. And then I, I obviously, everyone aspires to be, you know, bold. Yeah. Right? So I think that's something that... I kind of looked up to at the time. And who's the other one? Oliphant? Eleanor Oliphant, yep. What's the story? Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine as the award-winning debut novel by Gail Honeyman. That's a contemporary novel, and um, that's a story about a woman who has a really painful, painful past, and she's kind of like living, um, almost living in it still as she tries moving forward and then kind of learns the hard way how to move beyond the wounds that you're carrying yeah. and kind of live for what you have. So your aunt gave you this this little advice, don't worry about your job, let God be your provider. Did that come about a certain way? Um, she, my aunt Cindy, so she's my mom's sister. My mom's one of eight. And my aunt Cindy was uh, just like an amazing um witness to the Christian faith and every once in a while she would call me out of the blue and just be like, how's it going? You know, what's Mm. going on? And I had been working in retail for like almost 10 years and I was just completely drained. I had three kids at home Mm -hmm. and I was like, I am so tired. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, like I don't want to be here anymore. I want to be doing something different, something exciting. And I don't really know what that is. And um, she was like, just hang in there, just keep praying. And, you know, it's just a job. You don't have to love it. Just, you know, be thankful that it's paying your bills, but let God provide for you everything else you need. And that just has stuck with me. And sadly, we she passed away last, uh, well, actually almost two years ago. Hmm. And um, that's always stayed with me from her. That was like a wonderful gift that hmm. she gave me. That's beautiful. What do you love about the Road to Emmaus story? Uh, everything. Same. So like they're just walking and they're like, oh man, can you believe all the stuff that they're saying is happening? And Jesus walks up. He's like, hey guys, what's up? And they're like, what do you mean? What's up? You don't know. Have you been living under a rock? And he's like, no, tell me. He's like, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Right? And so he's like, no, tell me. So they're telling about it. And then it takes all the way until they get there and he breaks bread. And then they're like, Oh yeah, we knew it the whole time, right? Our, our hearts were burning. We knew, we knew, we knew. We saw you, Lord. Like, yeah, everything about that story is just so real. Too, I adore that story as well. Because how often are we walking around and we just don't see him, and he's right there? Amen. Thanks for sharing all Thank that you. with us. So, Nicole, would you be so kind as to talk a little bit about how God's been working in your life, where Christ is in your walk right now? I would love to. My so my husband and I have been married 15 years in June. <gasps> Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And he's been officially Catholic for 5. Wow. So, yeah, so it took him like a decade to come into the church, but um got us all the time in the world. Yeah, and that I think that's really like the biggest um shift that happened in in our family and in my life most recently was um kind of like walking with him as he really came to a fuller understanding of the faith and deciding that he wanted to be Catholic. Yeah. And um, it was just really beautiful. But one story that really sticks out for me, a lot of people ask me, like, when did this all start? It actually started um, maybe like two years before he converted. We were out to dinner with some friends of his who uh, work with him. So his coworker Ali and his wife Shadia are um, Muslim. Mm-hmm. And they took us out to this great Middle Eastern restaurant in Dearborn and we just like stuffed ourselves full of shawarma mm-hmm. and we went back to their house and we were having drinks and just kind of talking about different things. And um, 
her husband, Ali, looks at me and is like, I just, I, do you mind if I ask you some questions about Christianity? And I was like, yeah, totally. Mm. And I think I was maybe like a year or two into classes at the seminary. So I was like really on You're fire, like, like maybe primed, a little overzealous, yeah. as St. Francis de Sales would say, right? A little excessive zeal happening. And um, we had this great talk. And so while we were talking this through, we were really talking about like the relationship mm. of God and why God made man. I'm like thinking to myself, Lord, are you calling me to convert Ali and Shadia? Like, this is a bit, there is no right. way. Like, I was really starting to get kind of nervous about it. And then I look over at my husband and he, like, all I can see on his face is pride. Hmm. And then I was like, oh, this is what's happening. This uh. is this is what's starting right here. And when we got in the car, he looked at me and he was like, I am so proud of you and how much you shared your love for Jesus with these people. I am just so amazed by that. And thank you so much for doing that. Mm -hmm. And then everything just kind of coasted from there, right? So he started asking questions about the Eucharist and he started asking questions about reconciliation. Um, Every time I would come home from class, I'd have like some other little tidbit be like, Hey, did you know this? So he really started like looking, digging deeper into it. And I picked up this little book in the library at the seminary, you know, the little free book shelf. Yeah, the cart Yes, the free books. <laughs> Actually, I think they're 25 cents, but oh. I'll, I'll oh, put a quarter in there the for you. Show. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I picked up this little Seeker's Catechism and I brought it home and he read it cover to cover. Wow. And uh, I gave him Scott Hahn's book, uh, Rome Sweet Home, mm-hmm. right? And he read that. And then I found out a few weeks later that he'd been praying the rosary. Wow. Yeah, so it was just like this this really gradual, like amazing um, experience. And in the middle of all this, he was uh, laid off, so he was not working, which could have let you know lended itself to all kinds of depression and mm-hmm. you know stress and things like that. But I really now looking back on it, that whole experience, uh, we both agree was kind of like a almost like a cleansing or like a purgation. Like we detached ourselves from so many things that we thought we needed. And really just clung to our faith. And I think that's just what kind of pulled us straight out of the darkness. And uh, the morning um, after we went to Corpus Christi Mass at the cathedral, um, he came out and he was like, yeah, I think I'm going to go to our CIA. Hmm. Ah. Just like so casual, strolls into the family room. Sister, <laughs> he's like, you know, I think I'm going to go to our CIA. I was like, what? That's amazing. So, um, Did yeah, you, really when you got married, you obviously knew he wasn't Catholic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys had agreed to raise the children Catholic, right? right? Yep. Was there any challenge with that? or No, he came to Mass with us every Sunday. Okay. All of oh, our wow. kids were baptized. We used NFP. Um, actually, when he... <laughs> Nat- natural family natural planning. Natural family planning, yep. So actually, when, when he um, started our CIA, I helped the our CIA coordinator put this board together with a picture of all the candidates so that everyone could pray for them. So you could walk by and take a little card with their name on it and pray for them throughout Lent. Yeah. And then a lot of people dropped off little cards at the parish office for them. And I, we had like ton of people come up to us after mass at coffee and donuts. Russ, I didn't even know you weren't Catholic. <laughs> what do you mean you're not Catholic? Because they saw him all the they time. They saw him all the time. He was there for everything. So, Wow. How is it? How has your relationship changed now? You know, do you see a, a marked shift in, in what your family structure feels like now that um, you guys are all practicing together? Definitely. I think there's there's more emphasis on his role as a spiritual leader of the family. Hmm. And then I also think there's um, just an overall, like a stronger sense of community and a stronger sense of, you know, we share this faith together, our whole family. This is part of our family culture. Yeah. 
so what has it done for you to go through that? Like hearing him say those words to you about how proud he was of you and for like, for you to see how God was working in him uh, has to affect your spiritual life as well, your relationship with the Lord. Absolutely. I think it gave me a much deeper appreciation for the journey that so many people go mm-hmm. through in their faith life, you know, whether they fall away and come back, um, whether they've never been here and they're slowly finding their way, um, just to be able to walk with him through that has given me a much deeper appreciation for where so many other people are right now on their faith journey. And um, I think it's giving me more patience too. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes people come into even a natural family planning class and they're not Catholic or they don't know anything about why they're there, right? They're just, maybe they want to get married in a pretty church and their fiance said, this is what we have to do. They're checking a box. (laughs) Exactly. So it's really given me um, eyes for, you know, where, where is the in here? What can we, what can we share or what do we already have in common and how can I help them um, maybe see more truth in their life than they realize is already present? That's beautiful. That's so awesome. What a great story. Thank you. Nicole, we're going to talk about ministry to family, uh, marker 7.1. So I think Danielle's going to help us jump well, into that. Well, first of all, you have a family, right? I do, yes. Okay, because you've been married for 15 years. Yes. Coming up. Mm-hmm. How many How many kids are here? We have four. Ah, Yeah. So I have um, David is 11. Okay. He'll be 12 in August. Everyone has a fall birthday. So just add one to these ages in like three months. Ooh. So we have 11, 9, 7, and 4. Okay. Aw, so yes. precious. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot. 11 is middle school. Yes. Okay. So we're at elementary school and middle school. Yes. And we were in preschool as well, and but she's preschool. about to go to kindergarten. Yeah. Right. Okay. A lot of things. So it's very busy. So a question, because it talks about in Marker 7.1 um, that parents need to, like, kind of like airline safety videos, you know, take care of yourself, put on your oxygen mask first. So how do you make time for your relationship with Jesus? What things, in what ways has it shifted since you've become a mother? And um, what have you found works, even if it's just for this season? Sure. So the biggest um, change for me, just when our oldest son was born, was learning to pray on my feet and pray while moving Mm. and learning how to offer up whatever you're doing um, as a form of prayer. That was eye-opening for me because in the beginning, you're like so completely sleep deprived and you don't really know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You're still Googling questions like, should his spit up be this color and how long (laughs) should I let him sleep? So you don't really have time to sit down and have quiet time and pray and, and, and read scripture without falling asleep on it. So it was really like eye-opening for me to realize like this right now, changing this diaper can be part of my prayer today. Um, That was huge for me in the very beginning. And then as the kids got older, um, what was really remarkable to me was learning how I could share my prayer with the kids and make it part of our family experience and part of just something that our family does as part of our family culture. So um, that was a it still is a transformation kind of in progress. Right. Especially as kids grow and yeah. like some get better at some things than others. So how how do you cultivate a life of faith in your family? What do you guys find? Um, big things for us are obviously uh, attending mass as a family. Yeah. Um, praying hey, as a family. Have you done that like since the kids were 
super little, like always we're going to go to mass together as a family or more like if we can do it, we're going to make it work? We, um, in the beginning, my husband and I were both working in retail. So okay. he was, um, he was in loss prevention actually, like catching internal investigations and stuff. So he would oh. get called in to like tackle bad guys stealing stuff on the night shift. Wow. <laughs> so, um, like literally tackle them? Well, you know, not. <laughs> okay. Not, all right. <laughs> you're not allowed to. I have a story about that for later. Okay. Right. So uh, <laughs> off the air. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's an off air story. <laughs> So um, we we went whenever we weren't working on a Sunday. And if I wasn't working and my husband was, then I would take them and we would go with my parents if I had to. So they would help me with the kids. Yeah. Um, and then, praise God, at some point he got promoted into management and he was able to not work on Sunday mornings. And same with me. So once we both moved into management, we were able to make it to Mass every week. It's just been that way ever since. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. Thanks be to God. What does it mean to you guys when you hear the term domestic church? FSP? Yeah, um, that is a term we talk a lot about. You know, what I think of it as that what happens in the church needs to happen in the family and that the family uh, is is a bit of a model for the church, right? So the church is the bride of Christ and the um, the covenant community with, uh, with the Lord. Um, and that first covenant was with our first parents, Adam and Eve, so that God has been like the family is a sign of the covenant. Mm. Um, and so the reality of the church li- gets lived out in the family. Um, so I think about that connection. That term comes from uh, Lumen Gentium in the Second Vatican Council. Now, they didn't invent it, but that kind of brought it into more popular uh, lexicon, but what do you think of that, Nicole or Danielle? Domestic church. I totally agree with that, and I would even take that, like I would run with that, and say that because we are sort of this model of the church, we should really be teaching our kids about the grace that comes from the sacraments just within their home life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So every time we we forgive our children, we teach them to forgive each other. We're teaching them about reconciliation. Every time we sit at the dinner table, we're talking about Thanksgiving and the Eucharist. You know, learning those um, little graces and experiencing them within their family is what makes it more concrete for them when we start talking theologically, right? So yeah. they, they my kids know who Jesus is because they've met him through us and, and they've experienced him through our love. Is there anything that like you guys are like, we would really like our children to remember these things? I think the the biggest one that really is ringing in my ears in today's world is I don't ever want them to forget how much they're loved by Jesus. Hmm. Yeah. You know, there's just so much noise coming in about the way you need to be or the way you need to look or who needs to think you're cool. Right. Um, I want them to know that that God's love is enough. So we're really centered on that. You know, so much of that comes out of um, just our culture and our culture, which is technology saturated, um, you know, all the all the challenges that that brings, not that podcasts bring any of those negative <laughs> challenges. <laughs> uh, but how do you handle, like uh, you said, 11 is your oldest, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. that's a that's a point where technology becomes more and more of kids' lives now. Um, how do you handle that as a mom and what's your, what has your family decided? We're, um, we're a little different. So we don't have cable. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. My kids don't have phones. Mm-hmm. They have those little Kindle Fire tablets that they can play games on. Okay. Um, they get 30 minutes a day if they've done all of their tasks and reading and been outside long enough. And uh, 
we watch a movie or something like that. It's a family on weekends. Sometimes they get to watch a show after dinner if if we're just kind of chilling and trying to get everybody to relax before bed. But we're we're pretty minimal on screens. Um, I think because at the age they are, their their bodies and their brains still need time to develop and figure out how to be comfortable in their own skin. And there's just so much noise on the internet and on the television that they don't need to hear until they're more confident with who they are. Is that hard for you and your husband to do? Like, is it kind of you've done it and now it's just normal for your family? Or does that take like a daily, like, nope, we're not going to turn this on. Nope, we're going to Oh, yeah, it's a daily struggle because you know how kids are. They'll ask every five minutes (laughs) (laughs) every day. Can we watch TV? Can we watch TV? How about now? What about a movie? Can we... Can, can I play on your phone? Can we play Pokemon Go? Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a constant, um, a constant battle. I think in in one way, but most of the time when they ask, you can see it on their face. They already know the answers. No. <laughs> they just want to ask anyway, like just in case. Just in case the answer. Just yes. in case mom is super tired today and she's right. going to get this in. one might slip slip through. Right? Yep. Yep. Exactly. Oh, that's so. F- that's something that I, honestly I wonder about a lot. Like I don't have kids, but like maybe I will one day. And I like phones are pretty. Like everyone has one now. So I'm like, how does the peer pressure work in that and and all that? But well, well you were telling me your school yeah. does a pretty cool thing. We do. So our middle school has a really wonderful. Um, school policy. The kids are not allowed to have their phones in class at all. They I can have them out. That. Yeah. So they can have them out in the morning. We, you can drop your middle schooler off as early as 730. The yeah. first bell rings at 803 and all the middle schoolers hang out in the gym with the administrators and the teachers. And that's their social time. They can have their phones out then. Yeah. And then they can have them out at lunch and that's it. Otherwise yeah. they cannot be in the hallways, in the classrooms. They can't take any pictures or videos of any kind. Um, that really kind of minimizes the bullying yeah, that sure. can happen online. And um, I I love it. It's it's probably my favorite thing about <laughs> the middle about school, to be school. honest. Yeah. 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 Can we talk a little bit about like your family and um, parish life? So you guys go to um, church mm-hmm. on Sundays. Yeah. What What things do you feel are like helpful and like encouraging and affirming for families trying to go and attend church? And what things do you kind of feel like, oh, I wish that didn't happen? Um, I think the the most helpful thing is when you have the right people already there, the right parishioners, welcoming hmm. families, you know, giving you a smile, giving you a, even a sympathetic nod when your kid is having a meltdown. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's always, that's always, always appreciated. And sometimes it's like the worst day, the day where I'm like literally dragging one out by her foot and she's like, <laughs> I want a donut. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, there's no donut. Um, those are the days when like this, the sweetest grandmother will be like, your kids are so beautiful. Thank you for bringing them to mass. Those are the days that just like make it all worth it. Yeah. Right. Those are, those are the best days. The days that aren't so good are the days when like someone's like, you're in my pew mm-hmm. <laughs> and your kid sneezed glitter on me or I sat on something and it was sticky sneezed and I think it's from glitter. <laughs> Okay. So yeah. That, yeah. that's my, that's my message to all of you parishioners who don't have families, please Please be patient with us. We're we're doing the best we can. <laughs> I love it when I see babies at church. Just FYI, even when they make noise, I'm like, oh, there's a baby somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't bother me a whole lot. But you're on the other side because you're you're trying. Well, to Well, not on that. I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah. no, what no, are no, you no, painting no. me to be? I meant, like the other side of like you're not sitting. You in can't the pew. stand I, babies. No, no, ch- no, no, no. That's not what I meant. I meant that, like okay. I'm sitting in a pew. You're standing it. in front of people. Yeah, I. You know. 
um, what I would say is like at times it's somewhat distracting, but that's okay. That's life. Right. Like I'm sure it distracts from everything you try. And maybe distract is the wrong word because it's your your mission, right? Right. right. Our mission. So uh, when I hear priests struggle with that, I just, you know, I think like, well, suck it up. Like that's the that's life, right? Yeah. I got to uh, give props to my, to my pastor for that because he will power through the loudest <laughs> screaming, kicking mouth out and he will just go. He just, he's got a message and you're going to hear it yeah. and he doesn't care who's screaming. So yeah, I, I got to give him props for that. Yeah. It's happened a couple of times where I'm preaching and like, I'll take a, you know, I'll stop to make a transition and you'll just hear, no. <laughs> and I think like, is that no, because I stopped? Yeah. Or is that no, because be like you think going I'm going to go further. again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Uh, lots be, of ways to interpret it. Could it. Be, it's probably not about you. It's <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, it's thank you. About thank you, Danielle. Don't yeah, worry. no, you're right. Um, I, I want to point out one passage here yeah. from uh, 7.1 that talks about... Um, the role parents have in their children's religious education. And it says uh, parishes must make every effort to resist the pattern of uh, parents just delegating their religious education to the parish. Um, How do you take on that role as educating your children in the faith? Because you send them to religious education, I I would imagine, Mm -hmm. at your parish, right? So uh, how do you take that on in your home either through – family prayer or through just kind of priorities you set in home? Yeah, I think our our philosophy is that we're the primary catechists of our children, right? It's our job as parents to to teach them about the faith. Faith formation at church, that's, that's supplemental. Yeah. That's like bonus time. You get to go hang out with your friends. You get to have a teacher who's not me. You get to, <laughs> you know, walk the rosary or whatever other mm-hmm. fun little activity you have there. Yeah. That's all extra. But but the meat of what you learn about your faith comes from from us. And so that's just always been our philosophy from the beginning. You know, we, we started long before they were old enough to go to religious education, teaching them how to pray, you know, teaching them to recognize images of the Blessed Mother, teaching mm-hmm. them about different saints, how we celebrate the holidays, uh, the liturgical year. So we've just always lived that as part of our everyday life. Um, to the point where when they got to religious education, it was like, this is super fun and I already know what she's talking about. <laughs> right. You right, know, right. so it, it, that was the religious education program is just it reinforcing what they're already getting at home, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead of us as catechists, so I'm a catechist as well, instead of us as catechists constantly begging the parents to reinforce what we're teaching them at church, ah, it, it yeah. needs to really be the other way around, right? So changing the kind of emphasis, yeah. right? Yeah. How did how did you learn how to pray? What did your parents do? What do you remember? Yeah, we grew up in a very traditional home. So I remember a couple of things. I remember during the summer, Every day, every morning, kneeling down wow. and praying our morning offering, That's awesome. which I still pray every day. Um, the morning offering that is part of like the confraternity of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. We'd pray that every day. And then we would do, um, my mom, my mom comes from a huge family. She's one of 20 kids in no. her wow. Crazy big, yeah. So we would also go around and invoke the patron saint of all of her siblings, no. my dad's siblings, and ours. So we all got like three or four to say. Oh my gosh, that's beautiful. So like St. So Stephen, cool. and then we would all say pray for us. And I had like my uncle Jim, so I had St. James, James. <gasps> pray for oh, us. That's so, cool. so like we would all kind of, Wait, we would do all that. Wait, what was your other saint? Uh, my uncle James, I think. Okay, so you had James and Stephen. Stephen, Stephen. Yeah. <gasps> That's yeah. so cool. So that, that, that's one of the ways. That's so beautiful. He did pray for you. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh! Cool. What what did you do, Danielle? How, oh like, my our gosh. family did a bunch of other things too, but that's just one little um, way. You know what? Like, and as you're talking about this, Nicole, it's kind of like I think part of it is like kind of seeing like the rhythms that my parents had of like we always went to mass together, they always prayed before meals, so there was that. Um, and then <laughs> we um, my we had like a, a storybook Bible, and like every night read a read a story from the Bible mm. and then we would pray uh, Apostles Creed, Our Father, Hail Mary, the an- Guardian Angel Prayer. And then we could all do special intentions because my parents were charismatic. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you got your own individualized yeah, yeah, yeah. intention. And, and we did it age order. <laughs> so I went, I it was like dad, mom, Dave Center, me, Danielle Center, and then all through. And then like, but like, so, like occasionally we would get like two out of hand and then we like had to get like, like we could only say like five intentions rain and not in. like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> rain it in, rain yeah. it in, yep. And then you pray a glory be. So it was that. Um, which like I mean, it's interesting because like those are still prayers that like I pray literally every day. Like you said, yeah. like they're the prayers. Yeah. And it, and it's interesting because I remember like when I was being educated, uh, we were like the only Catholic family in and like all the other families in the homeschool co-op were pretty much um Protestant. And I remember them talking about like repetitive prayers and how like, you know, there's the, the passage about repetitive prayers, sure. but it's, it's also interesting because sometimes like when I'm trying to enter into prayer and I can't remember, like, and I just can't get into it. Those, those will kickstart me in. Right. Then yeah. I can get to charismatic. It's like muscle memory that yeah. kind of gets you going. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's so real. That's the first prayer my kids learn. They learn, they learn all of the important ones. The Our Father, the Hail Mary, the Glory Be. Um, my oldest was praying Hail Holy Queen at four. <laughs> Really? That's he knew the that's whole while. thing. Yeah. So we, we started with those because, yeah. like you said, when you don't know what you want to say or, yeah. or you just can't bring yourself to pray, that's the first thing that comes. And at least you're, 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 you're starting it, right? And then the words just start to come afterwards. Another thing, too, is that I feel like the church... The church sometimes has written more beautiful prayers than I would think of, but they're what I want to say anyway. Yeah. No, I, that, I think that's part of those written prayers as they help form us and teach us how to pray. Right. They yeah. give us right? the language that we need to, to be able to express what we're asking. Yeah. Nicole, I just want to look at this last sentence in 7.1. Ministry to families must be sensitive to the rich cultural diversity within our local church, appreciating the different ways... And celebrating the different ways our Catholic faith mm-hmm. has lived out. You know, I think of my family. One of my um, one of my brothers married a Chaldean woman. Oh wow! And um, another brother married a uh, woman from Poland, a girl from Poland. And so, like, we've gotten to take in some of those cool traditions, and and that's just been a great great blessing. I know you're at a parish that has a strong um, Vietnamese yes. uh, component too. Are there any kind of like cultural traditions that have enhanced your faith since growing up, either Nicole or Danielle? Um, Jump well, in, Queen. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, I was So I was adopted from Korea when I was 11 months old. Okay. My parents are American, obviously. Um, they both come from big Catholic families as well. My dad's one of 11. My mom's one of eight. Wow. Um, so... When I was in college, before my husband and I got engaged, I actually went back to Korea and got to see like my orphanage and learn more about the culture, eat all the food, which by the way is amazing. And now we eat it all the time. (laughs) Um, But we, you know, we kind of decided together that we wanted to make sure that our kids were kind of raised with a, a respect and kind of like a an appreciation for the the diversity that comes with 
with just being part of the human family. Yeah. So we have tried really hard to not make a big deal out of the fact that we're Korean, sure, but okay. also to make them aware of it because we actually had a moment, I think it was last year when my then eight-year-old like didn't realize that he was Asian. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so we were like, yeah, you know, mom is Korean. So that makes you half Korean too. He was like, oh, really? I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, he, but he had been raised in such a diverse way. You know, our, our community and our neighborhood and our school is very diverse too. So, um, we're we're still working. We're still balancing that out, sure. but, but they do appreciate the Vietnamese community at our parish. I think, um, if anything, because when you're young, you always appreciate seeing other kids and other families who look like you. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there's there's just not as many as there would be anywhere else. So I think they they appreciate kind of feeling like, oh yeah, we kind of belong here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so cool. The parish you're a member at as well, though, is very diverse. Oh, right? yeah, that's super true. St. Augustine, St. Monica. Um, oh, yeah. It's an African-American parish. So love it. The singing is gospel style, which is not how I grew up, but I really love it. So that's been super great. Thank you so much, though. It's been awesome. Yeah, Nicole, as we close, we usually ask our guests if they have a final word or a kind of, um, you know, just a final word or prayer they want to share. I just want to encourage parents listening to be open to the movement of the Holy Spirit and let the Spirit kind of guide you in your parenting, even when you feel like you are just all the way at the bottom of that trench. Yeah. <laughs> he will He will come for you and He will carry you out. So just trust in that and, and don't, don't let that go under the weight of stress. Even if your kids don't know the Hail Holy Queen. Exactly. Four years old, right? <laughs> Amen. Thanks, Nicole. Thanks so much. Thank you. So great to have Nicole Joyce with us, joining me and Father Steve as she was talking about how she and her husband are being joyful missionary disciples within their community and more importantly, in their own home. And once again, before we say goodbye, if you liked this episode, please share it with your friends, your neighbors, your relatives, your Trader Joe cashier. You can also leave us a review on iTunes, Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our handle is at Open Door Detroit. Help us unleash the gospel. Open Door Policy was produced by Ron Pangborn and the creative team of the Archdiocese of Detroit. Open Door Detroit. I'm Father Steve Polis <laughs> with Danielle Center. And this has been another episode of Open Door Policy. Dun, dun, Open dun, Door dun, Detroit. Dun, dun.